0: This is L.A. Court Report, covering Southern California's boys' high school basketball scene. Going to games, running events, hosting Zoom conversations. And now, the podcast.
1: This is Steve Wax with L.A. Court Report, and I'm here with UC Irvine assistant coach Ryan Badgertelli. Coach Badgertelli, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great, Steve. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well, and I imagine you're a happy man after that Lakers victory tonight.
0: I am happy. I'm I'm pleased. I'm pleased for the Lakers organization, the city of L.A., all of us in Southern California that uh, we're bringing that trophy back.
1: About time. so excited. Yep. Coach, you're a unicorn. Uh, I, by that, I mean you've enjoyed the opportunity to be a Division I assistant in the same place for your entire career so far, and that's very rare. How many years at Irvine is it for you now?
0: I just finished my 15th season, um, so going into
1: year 16. Unbelievable. That is an incredible <laughs> run for a Division I assistant. It's not easy.
0: know. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not by design, um, and, I, and I really do feel fortunate that, that I've had that run, as you say. Um, it's It's been an incredible experience.
1: And obviously, you're a very humble person, and I know you don't want to say this, so I'll say it for you. Your staff, and you especially, has always exemplified just tremendous professionalism in the way you conduct yourselves. And Uh, You were there with the previous staff, with Coach Douglas, who I thought exemplified professionalism. And now with Coach Turner, you're with another head coach who really exemplifies professionalism uh, in so many ways. How is it that with those two coaching staffs, you've been able to have such a high standard of the conduct of the program?
0: Yeah, I feel really fortunate, um, like you said, to be or at least under two head coaches that, that really can, you know, carry themselves and unbelievably professional And like you said, both had Coach Russ Turner. Uh, and I do think it's part of that learning process to learn how important it is for a coach to be, you know, to fit well at the university that, that they're coaching at. And, um, you know, UC Irvine a special place that way where I don't think just anybody can coach. Um, you know, it does have to be a good – and, um, you know, I think that transcends also what we've been able to recruit and have here as well. But I think it Irvine as much as anything. And for me, it's been, you know, incredibly humbling to work under both those head coaches that, like you said, carry themselves in a way that exemplifies what this business is all about. You know, whatever um, they've been they've been people that I've been able to to look at and, and really learn from as far as how they Carry themselves, how they conduct themselves on a day-to-day basis, and and really how they, you know, they carry themselves just in this, you know, because we, you know, if you coach in this game or you play this game, you have an incredible pride in in the game of basketball and what it means to you and, and the opportunities that that come with it. And uh, both those men carry themselves that way.
1: And in speaking about the way they carry themselves, obviously. Division one level, you're only going to be as successful as your recruiting is. And at Irvine, you've done a wonderful job of getting exactly the right players there. Players like Evan Leonard, Yasu Worku, Max Hazard, all Southern California players, John Edgar Jr., Tommy Rutherford. And then you obviously had a player who wasn't from Southern California, but had some interesting ties to the area in Brad Green. Do you want to talk about that class of players?
0: Yeah, I mean those guys are probably some of the more recent players, and and Brad still being in our program that um that all came from Southern California, and um, to a certain extent at least. And um and you know for us, you know the biggest thing is we have to find you know everyone talks about fit, uh, but you have to define what fit means for you. Um, you know, fitting a program doesn't necessarily you know transcend every single program. It it has to fit you know your university, your you know program and all that, and and all those guys that you mentioned really fit us well. Um, and And so we you know over the course of time, especially you know since we've been here with Coach Turner and it's been ten seasons now, we figured out what fits us and what that formula means for us. And that may have been different with with Pat Douglas and other coaches in the past and different coaches at different places. And for us, we figured out that you know fit you know includes you know the style of play, obviously how we play and how it all fits together on the court. Um, Guys that fit our school, like I talked about, you know, the school, you know, head coach fitting the school. I mean, the players also has to have to fit within the fabric of the university as well. Um, Fit your head coach. You know, when I'm out recruiting, I'm always thinking to myself, you know, this is a really talented player. But can he play for Coach Turner? Um, You know, can you know, can he coach them? How would they respond to him? So those those components are important. Um, And the other thing is, you know, being winning players. Um, players that care about winning care about the team more than themselves and then guys that are great teammates and all those guys you mentioned are great examples of all those things and they happen to be from southern california which i think is great i mean being in southern california and being at a uc school a public institution you know having the opportunity to be able to you know recruit from this area which is an unbelievable hotbed for talent is is really fortunate for us. I mean, being able to you know drive down the street or drive up to LA or down to San Diego and be able to see guys and build relationships with them, um, you know is is a incredibly you know fortunate situation that we're in. And um, and so we know that there's a responsibility that we have to be able to recruit from this area because there's really good talent and because we have to be a reflection of the university and the university's population. And we are a public university, like I said, in Southern California. Um, that serves our state and so we have to recruit well here and um, so we take great pride in that and we know that there's incredible talent here we have to find guys that fit us well and so that formula kind of fits all together and every one of those guys you mentioned have been incredible fits and they've all had really different stories and paths to get to us but the commonalities that they have as far as their character and their work ethic and the places they've come from are really similar if you look closely and um, and that's been really fun to to find a lot of those commonalities those qualities, um, those family backgrounds, the interest in academics, uh, the interest in seeing how good they can become in this game and where this game can take them. They all have those you know, similarities. And um, those are a lot of things that we look for when we're out recruiting.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense when you look at the rosters, Who, excuse me, the players who are currently on your roster. Who are from Southern California? Why don't we do a little roll call? How's Dawson Baker doing for you, Capo Valley alone? Well,
0: I'll give you—I'll give you a tidbit here, um, and I'm sure you, this will, you know, come to, you know, come to your mind with the experience that you have. But I coached Dawson's older brother, or one of his older brothers. He has—he has a bunch of siblings. Um, but Davis Baker, 17 years ago, when I started coaching after college, um, so 17 years removed. Dawson Baker arrives on our campus and I look at him and it's a you know it's a little bit of a Davis Baker clone and uh, he served a two-year LDS mission in Guam um, and you know having gotten to know him before he left on his mission and he's the youngest he's the baby in his family Seeing how much he's grown and developed just in maturity and how he carries himself his confidence and his understanding of the world around him is incredible um, he really benefited from that. And, you know, he was a little bit fortunate that he came home a little bit early from his mission, um, you know, because of, you know, the coronavirus. So they sent him home because they didn't want him to get stuck there. And um, so he benefited from being able to come a couple months early and get himself in shape. So when he arrived on campus, he was, he was moving in the right direction. He already looks like an upperclassman as far as how he carries himself, how he handles himself. And um, he's going to surprise him for, you know, people are going to go, Oh, I forgot about this guy, and he was—he was a guy that was a winning player, CIF champion, and um, and you know we didn't forget that, and I'm sure he didn't forget that either. So um, he's he's going to be, um, I think, someone that will surprise some people. But he's he's ready to go, and he's you know already, especially with the team we have and the makeup we have. I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but we have 13 underclassmen out of our 15 on our roster. Um, we're looking at him kind of almost like an older guy already.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. And how about St. Francis alum, Andre?
0: Andre is just a joy to be around. I mean, he's one of those guys, you walk in the gym and his smile, you know, brights up the gym. You look forward to seeing him every day. Um, You know, I I always look forward to watching him play in high school just because he had that kind of energy around him and he carried himself that way and people love being around him. Um, And so adding him to our program has been great. Um, he probably suffered a little bit from not being able to start school when we usually start school with summer school, you know, getting on the weights and all that stuff. But he has shown up ready to work, and I compare him a little bit, you know, when I think about it, to my one and a half year old. And in a sense, where I work and I come back home, and he's got a new word or a new saying, and he's like a different person. And every day we're in the gym, Andre picks something else up. He's an absolute sponge. And then you come back the next day, and you've worked on a skill, and he's better at it. And so I'm extremely excited to see what his trajectory is. We know it's really high. Uh, he's going to be in control of, of where that goes, especially in this first year.
1: That says a lot. And uh, the player with the most difficult name to pronounce Chino Hills, ofure Oferi, Ujadighele, if I'm saying it. Yeah. Um Yeah. Hard,
0: hard name to pronounce. Um, and, Kind of a hard guy to figure out a little bit because he's a he's he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He does a little bit of everything. He redshirted for us last year. He came in, really wanted to work on his game and establish himself in our program, which I think was really good. He's already solidified himself as as a team leader. He has that kind of energy and um, and way about him where guys gravitate towards him. He's got really positive energy um you know he's a guy that will do anything that you ask him to do and so you know he'll play anywhere on the floor um he's you know still trying to figure out where he fits within our team as we all are um especially not having played a single game yet but um but his energy and enthusiasm is incredibly palpable and when you walk in the gym you hear his presence you see his presence and that's that's been a huge addition to our to our team fantastic
1: and Jerron Artest, who spent two years at Palisades before transferring to Bella Vista Prep in Arizona, can you tell us about Jerron? Well,
0: he's an Artest, um, and and you know, and you you don't really see it until you see it, and all of a sudden his dis- defensive instinct, um, his competitive nature, all of a sudden rears its head, and you go, okay, yep, I see that, and um, you know, he won us games last year. He was a he was a huge impactful freshman for us on a championship team last year and, um, you know, especially playing behind, you know, senior all conference guard and Evan Leonard um, to play that role was not easy. And he got kind of thrusted into it and he went through his fair share of up, ups and downs, but he was incredibly resilient and really coachable. And he's arguably our smartest guy on the team too, as a computer science and gaming major um, you know he's he's unbelievable mind for both basketball and and academics so he's a great combination of things for us and I think he's going to take a big step this year uh, we're really excited about his progress and he's worked really hard in this off season
1: fantastic how about Dean Keeler from arena
0: well Dean he's our he's our hard hat guy um, you know he's a yes sir no sir run through a wall kind of guy um, you know it's a you know it's a f- funny story uh, about Dean I'll, I'll give you he is um, Tommy Rutherford, first-team All-Conference power forward. He was a senior last year, who takes pride in doing everything absolutely F- right. Um, shows up on the bus um, and doesn't realize this, and so we're walking to the gym at TCU with two left shoes for shootaround. And you know, and and so one of the guys kind of chuckles over and says, "Hey, Coach Tommy's Tommy's shoes. He's got two of the same shoes." And I go. I just look at him and you can see Tommy, he knows it. He's starting to sweat and he's embarrassed. And, and he's like, what am I going to do? And I go, Hey Dean, give Tommy your shoes because he's the only one that's got a shot a size. And without a, even a hesitation of a doubt, Dean goes over and gives him his shoes. And, and now Dean has two of the same shoe for the whole shoe around our hour shoot around his feet are killing him, but that's who Dean is. Dean is a winning player. Dean is a kid who will do anything for our team. Um, and he just keeps getting better and better. Um, You know, people that see him this year and see his body and how he's grown uh, will be amazed with with how much he's grown. And he was a guy who was highly recruited as a D2 player, um, probably was would have had a trajectory to, I think, be a, you know, an all-American type D2 player. Wanted to see if he could become a Division One player. And he certainly fits in. And he's definitely got a place in our program. We're excited about his future.
1: Fantastic. And you mentioned uh, Brad Green still part of the program. And he's not truly a Southern California player, but his connections to Southern California are pretty strong. So I know we wanted to talk about Yeah, Brad. I mean,
0: Brad is, um, Brad is just a stud. I mean, Brad exemplifies what our program's all about in so many different ways, um, you know, in a, in a way of a guy coming into our program that we believed in, um, you know, when a lot of people didn't. He had no Division One scholarships coming out of high school, especially where he was from. He came in incredibly overweight. He'd be the first to admit it. He was, you know, about 350 pounds. Um, and over the course of time committed to his body and to his you know to the game and the time to, that it takes to get where he got and he's down to 265 and he's an all- conference player and um, and he's going to be arguably one of the best players in our league this year and that just shows you know it speaks to his commitment to the game um, his buy-in to the program that we put in front of him um, and to his family and how he's how he's raised he's an incredibly resilient kid and he played for um, you know, Southern California connection is that there was no club or AAU teams where he's from, which is Lone Pine. And so he would, you know, drive down, his mom would drive him every weekend um, or even multiple times during the week for practice and stuff like that down um, to play with Team Elite, um, you know, Coach Marvin Lee's team. And and so that's kind of his connection to Southern California. Now his mom was an incredible woman who does that drive in her sleep. She's at every game. And, you know, we have, it's just an example of the that we have in our program, but Brad has again exemplified the things that are most important in our program. Um, you know, starting with you know the commitment that he's made to to this game and to being you know really seeing how good he can be. And I again, it'll be fascinating for me to see um, you know how far he this game takes him.
1: Thanks so much for that. And there are many reasons you know we wanted to have this conversation with you tonight. And a topic we'd really like to connect with you about now that we've done the roll call and checked in on players in your program is how do you cultivate elite performance obviously people know that you and kobe bryant were actually very close and you lost a close friend when he passed and we have no interest right now in talking to you about the personal aspects of your friendship that's that's too sensitive and we don't want to go there we just want to talk about kobe and his commitment to elite performance and his approach and how you've been able to kind of bring that approach to the players that you coach in your program?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, Kobe has had incredible impact on me and our program um, and in a lot of ways, you know, our program through me um, just because extremely fortunate to see, you know, firsthand, you know, his approach to just the game and his craft and how calculated he was, um, you know, and everything that he did and how he approached, you know, just the way he went about his business, and um, you know, and again, there was always with him an absolute purpose. And it was it was just a laser focused purpose and a plan that went along with it. Um, there wasn't you know, there wasn't one without the other, and um, it was fascinating to watch him go through his process of figuring that out. Um, it was a lot of times dependent on you know areas of the game that he wanted to work on and develop, um, and that process included research. Um, question asker. I think so many people who have achieved the level of you know, success that he did don't ask questions. And I think in general, people don't ask enough questions and don't listen well when they do ask those questions. He was an incredible question asker and an incredible, an incredible listener for the people that had the skills or the knowledge that he was seeking. And um, so he was an incredible student all the way through in every area that he was pursuing, not just basketball. And that was fascinating for me to be around to see, Um, you know, so that was, that was a big part of who he was. And, um, and so that was, that was incredible. Like I said, to see, you know, how, how much humility he had in that space. Um, It was dependent on the system, you know, who the coaches were that he was playing for. Um, You know, when he was playing under Mike Brown, there was a different stuff, and spots on the court that he would, you know, get his offense. And um, and so that was different. It was different when he was playing the triangle. And so he was real calculated about the things that he would do on the court based on that. Um, it was dependent on the condition of his body. I mean, he everyone knows about a lot of the injury issues that he had towards the latter part of his career. Um, you know, but his body was also, you know, you know, shifted and changed based on where he saw himself playing the game. I mean, he put on weight when he was, you know, focused on playing more in the post. Um, He took off weight when he was getting ready for USA basketball and he was going to commit himself to being the defensive stopper on that team. So all that was calculated and he never left anything to chance. Like I said, I mean, the planning component of it was, you know, just meticulous and and to a T and and didn't leave anything, like I said, to chance. And so everything was regimented and he was incredibly adaptable. Things didn't work. He was able to adapt on the fly and he was very intelligent in how he went about that. Um, And so... Just, you know, just in the sense of his preparation and his planning, I've never been around anybody that that went about creating a plan and executing a plan the way that he did. And watching that for me was just an absolute learning process. Um, And then, you know, as I learned more about how he, you know, how he ticked and what he needed, I was able to become more involved with, you know, that process and be you know maybe a voice of reason or you know be able to be a sounding board for how to put together a plan for him every offseason based on what his intent was and he was relentless in that pursuit um, you know when he had his mind on something there wasn't anything that was going to get in his way and if there was roadblocks he was ready to just blow them over over and over and over again that relentlessness was something that he carried with him every step of the way and what was fascinating was where he was at that stage of his career Um, the things he had accomplished, especially when, you know, I started, you know, working with him, you know, he had championships under his belt and all that. He was still so incredibly hungry because the legacy that he wanted to leave was so important to him. Um, And he felt like he owed that to all the people that came before him. He felt like he owed that to all the people that were coming after him. It was so much less about him and what it would mean for him. It was what it would mean for the game. And, and the impact that he could have long-term. And, um, and that's what a lot of people didn't really realize about him because of everyone – a lot of people thought there was so much ego involved, and everybody has an ego and so at that level. Uh, but he had – came especially to the game and all the people that came before him and that the game was so much bigger than him, and he treated it that way. Um, the respect that he had for the game of basketball and, and everybody associated with it Uh, was, was unbelievable. And to be around that, um, you know, firsthand was just an incredible experience for me.
1: So a lot of people say he needed that high level of talent to work that hard. Uh, Meaning that that's what motivated him because he was going to be the best and he was just fine tuning. What do you say to the player who's not nearly as talented but needs to put in that work in order to reach his ceiling. Well, I disagree with that.
0: Um, I disagree with the idea or the notion that he had all this God given ability and that all he was doing was fine tuning. You know, everything, in, in my opinion, I mean, having seen the work ethic and been around it, even when he was already achieving what he was achieving, you know, knowing the, the drive that he had at such a young age and, and that drive just continued made me absolutely believe that he was as self-made as, as anybody. Now, he had some intangibles, obviously. There was athleticism. He had unbelievably strong hands and, and just lightning quickness and the ability to play at pace and all that stuff. But he was addicted to the game of basketball. And that was film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Stuff. I mean, each in this game is is pace. You know, playing at different speeds. And that just comes with time. You know, Watching film and breaking yourself down and um, and just playing, and I think not enough. You know, players just play right now and play at the right rate to be able to, you know, to get as much out of playing as they potentially can. And he played and played and played and played, and mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of that came from. Um, you know, so so I think that goes, you know, a little bit hand in hand with your question is that you know y- there's a lot that you can do, there's a lot that you can control. Um, you know, in this game, and it's the commitment to, you know, to doing things at a certain rate. At a competitive level, um, to really buy in and, and trust the the process that goes into it. Um, the one thing that's incredibly hard when you're young, and this is both on the court and the weight room, and I've seen this over and over again, is the time that you spend in in the you know in these spaces, whether it's the weight room or on the court. The gains that you make a lot of times are incremental, and for so many young people and, and older people, to be honest as well people don't have patience for that process that goes along, I have results right away. It's. Incredible. If you are able to look at a lot of these processes and say, if I'm able to incrementally make gain, um, what am I going to be after a month? What am I going to be after six months? What am I going to be after 12 months? If I continue to, commit this competitive rate every single day and that's really hard to do and to be honest with you that's where I think coaches make such a big difference Um, coaches and trainers and people that spend time in the gym working with especially young players because if players trust coaches they trust to do what they're asking you to do and to do it at a rate um, you know that's at game speed that allows you to be uncomfortable um, you know, a player that allows you to make them uncomfortable and embrace that it makes all the difference in the world between making progress and not making progress. Um, you know, I had this conversation with our former strength coach the other day. You can have two of the same exact workouts, drill segments, whatever, and get completely different results. And it's the combination of obviously the coach's ability to, you know, to push a player and to understand what they're teaching and how they're teaching and how to, you know, focus on the most important details to make progress. But it's a combination of that and the relationship and trust that they have with the athlete. You know, if an athlete can fully trust and commit to giving their all, allow themselves to be uncomfortable and push themselves beyond what they think they can do, you're able to have such different results than a lack of buy-in or a coach that is just, you know, reading off of a, a, a play sheet or a book or watching a video and trying to, um, you know, trying to do things just as a copy of, of somebody else. It has to be authentic. Um, I think that's the most important thing in coaching to begin with, especially during these times. There's so many Zoom sessions and things that we are all taking nuggets from. And you can do those things, but if it's not authentic to you and who you are, then it's not going to work. And so as a coach and as a trainer, you have to figure out what's authentic to you, how I build a real and genuine relationship with an athlete where they feel like I'm looking out for their best interest. I'm going to push them to a limit that they didn't even know was possible. Now you're going to have a chance to make progress. Now you're going to have a chance to really start making those incremental gains. And if they trust it and they're consistently show up every day and give you the same effort, Enthusiasm and rate, you're going to be able to see progress. And I think that's a huge, important component to how this all fits together in player development.
1: Absolutely. And I can see why Karan Butler's son, JC Butler, and Doc Rivers, have been a part of your program for those reasons. It kind of dovetails with the performance. With the well, we're really fortunate that, that we,
0: we've about. been able to have. Um, you know, former NBA players and coaches. I mean, not just NBA coaches like Doc, but other coaches that have looked at our program and said, I want my son in that program. And, you know, that's incredibly humbling in a lot of ways, but we take a lot of pride in that too, because we know that we're being, you know, un, you know we're being looked at through an incredible magnifying glass by these people that are in this profession. And, you know, for them to send their sons to, to our place and say that they trust, you know, us with them and their development is a huge compliment to us. And I think, you know, a lot of people have looked very closely at why, um, and it has resonated with a lot of families. I mean, you look at, like you talked about the Hazard family, um, you know, the Rivers family, the Butler family. Um, you know, we talked about our test, um, you know, so all these basketball families, um, you know, you know, John Welch's son, Riley Welch, was in our program as well. I know he was on your podcast or on your Recently, So all those things, I mean, we look at with incredible pride um, that people are looking closely at our program and we've gotten through whatever scrutiny we've gone through. And people have said, yeah, this is this is a great place for you know our son to really maximize themselves, both on the court and off the
1: court. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some specifics, because you're in a wild league uh, since 20. The Big West has only sent a repeat team to the NCAA tournament. One time, and that was your team. So, what have you been able to do to create practices and run your program in such a way that you're bringing out the best in your athletes?
0: Yeah, I appreciate you being up because I think one of the things we take the most pride in is our consistency. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, we hope to have gone, you know, for a third time, you know, since 2011 this year. I mean, having won our league by three games, um, and obviously anything can happen in the tournament, but we were certainly geared towards that. Um, I think first and foremost, you have to give credit where to do. And that first starts with, you know, Coach Turner um, and, and what he's done to build our program the way he has, the things that he's prioritized in our program that have made our players successful. Every decision we've made in our program has been about the well-being of our players and their development. Um, so everything from a strength and conditioning coach that's exclusive to our team, an academic coordinator that's exclusive to our team, things like that that help our guys on the periphery that maybe you just don't see on a day-to-day basis. And then from there, you go to our players. I mean, the players that have come in um, and have really bought into the things we're asking them to do. I brought up being great teammates before. That is a huge priority of ours. and, And being a great teammate means you enjoy each other's success. I mean, you know, when we went to the NCAA tournament in 2019 and beat Kansas State, you know, we went through the whole league and we lost one game in league. And so we, you know, we went through 15 wins in our league and not one of those weeks did we have a player of the week from our team um, awarded and, mm-hmm. and not one player on our team ever brought that up. They just didn't care. It was all about winning. And, and a lot of that credit goes to the combination of, you know, the things we've emphasized in our program and the things Coach Turner has made a priority in our program and our players Um, that's been what it's been all about. And so, you know, know, for example, like Brad Green, who we were talking about earlier, who's arguably one of the better players in our league right now, going into his junior year, he committed to redshirting because, you know, we thought that he wasn't going to play as much under um, a starting center that we had. And we didn't want him to split time. We wanted him to be a starter for two years, his junior and senior year. And he committed to that. Not a lot of kids are going to do that. Uh, J.C. Butler, same thing. Going into his sophomore year after his freshman year, and he was a big part of our NCAA tournament run, he committed to redshirting because, like, you know, the player you mentioned before, John Egger Jr. was in front of him. He said, you know what, I'm going to commit to working on my game and working on my body and redshirting. So the commitment and buy-in that we've gotten from our players has everything to do with their character and their families and also has been, you know, part of Coach Turner's strategy as far as how he creates – really straightforward with our players and i think when you do that you have the best chance to build a honest and trusting relationship with them, and to create buy-in and i think that's the most important thing you can do i think too often you know adults aren't as transparent enough with with players and kids in general because you're afraid they won't like what you have to say well if you're honest and straightforward with them that's what most players want um and you don't realize that until you've done this for a long time want you to be honest, even though, even though they may not like what you say. And I think that bodes well for you long term. And I think going back to Coach Turner, you know, he's created unbelievably, unbelievable continuity within our staff. He's fought for our staff every step of the way to keep our staff together. We've had very little staff turnover. Um, we don't have a lot of guys transfer both in or out mm-hmm. of our program. Um, again, because of that transparency, I think, and because every guy can look at their role and their situation on our team, and it's that over time necessarily the role that they want right now they see how there's a path to get there long term um you know so i think those those components are are really important to you know how we've we've built this thing and how we've been able to create you know consistency um you know we haven't been this young in a long time we, like i said we only have two upperclassmen in our program right now, but those two upperclassmen are all conference players and we're really excited about our young talent that we have. So, um, so I think that's, that again, bodes really well for our long-term success. Um, And going again, going back to our coaching staff and things we emphasize, we keep things simple. I mean, players know what they're being held accountable to um, and it's, it's black and white. You're either doing or you don't, and you need to buy into it and you need to compete. And, um, and guys like that. I mean, guys like knowing what they're going to be held to, and what the standard is, and what the expectation is. And so that's been, that's been really fun. And, um, and then, you know, the emphasis on guys getting better. I mean, you know, we have a huge emphasis in our program on player development. There's a component of individual work every day in our practices. I mean, that, you know, not even including, like, our offseason. Off season is huge for player development. But, you know, practice every component of either offensive or defensive individual development or both. And um, you know, I think the players like that, and they're able to see how that all fits together with the things that we do every day.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Well, how are things going in terms of COVID and getting you know, things moving on your campus? I know that in Orange County, things have opened up a little bit, but obviously the UC system probably has some say in yeah. No, what we've what been we've been on the do. court
0: for about three weeks now, and we've been restricted on the things we um, we've been able to do. But the one thing that was came to no surprise was when we were actually allowed to get together and the first stage for us was to get in the weight room with our strength coach, how excited and happy the guys were to be back together. Um, and that was great to see. I mean, you think that th- that's going to happen, but you don't really know for sure until it actually happens. And it was like the first day of school again, because um, they hadn't really been together for months. And, um, and so that was great. So the energy and enthusiasm to be in that space was great integrating our our new guys our five new freshmen to this group has been really good. Um, The last three weeks we've been in the gym and um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I'm hoping that when practice is supposed to start this coming Wednesday, that, that we'll be practicing normally. And um, you know, and if we don't, we don't, I mean, that's, you know, I think one thing we've done is we've been incredibly adaptable Um, you know, and I give a lot of credit to coach Turner and the rest of our staff for, You know, just rolling with the punches. You know, whatever we have been able to be given, we've been incredibly appreciative of. Uh, We've maximized what we've been able to do, and we've always been ready to shift. Um, You know, when we've had more flexibility, we've been ready to shift into that. When we've had less, we've shifted away from that. And so that's what we got to continue to do during these times. I mean, you can, you know, you know, get upset and frustrated about it, but like anything, your team is going to take on the personality of your of your head coach first, and then the rest of your staff second. And so if we carry ourselves frustrated and, you know, and mad about the situation and feeling sorry for ourselves, for ourselves then, then they're going to feel that way. If we're appreciative, if we're excited to be together, if we maximize the opportunity, they're going to look at it that way too. And, any, and we're all going to have bad days and, you know, and good days. And when we have bad days, we have each other to snap each other back. And um, if you look around you at all, um, you're able to look at our situation and be really, really appreciative of, of what we have in front of us. The fact that we have a start date for playing games is unbelievable. Um, the fact that we're planning on playing, you know, conference games is unbelievable. And I hope those things, you know, stay tacked and we get to we get to you know follow through on those things. If things shift, we'll be ready to shift with it. And again, be appreciative and happy for what we do have and the time that we have together. Um, and, and, and roll with it. And that's what we have to do. And, uh, and as long as we carry that with us, I think our players will. Um, and, and again, you know, be in a space where we can you know, enjoy this game the way that we all want to.
1: That, would make ton- that makes a ton of sense. And that would be the absolute perfect place to stop because I think you said it all, uh, not only through the entire conversation we've had, but working up to that point about being thankful, about being grateful for these opportunities that we have, that would be an absolute great place to just say thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you. I, I know you have young children at the house and for you to carve time out on a Sunday night to have this conversation. It's a huge pleasure.
0: I'll tell you it's what you and Brad do for for all of us in this profession. You know, I, I speak for everyone that we're unbelievably appreciative of all the things that you do uh, both, you know, when we see each other in person, then off the court as well. So thank you so much for everything. It's been uh, a breath of fresh air, especially during these times as well. So thank you guys so much for everything you do.
1: Thanks. Steve. It's our pleasure. Best wishes. Bye. So we're in overtime right now. We had a little bit of an audio glitch when we were talking about Southern California player DJ Davis, and we wanted to make sure we had a chance to give DJ his yeah DJ coach. Davis
0: um you know it's he's an incredible talent um you know he has a nonchalance about him that um uh, he can't quite figure out you're not sure if he's going hard all the time but he's extremely competitive and more coachable than I ever imagined not that I thought he wasn't coachable but he's extremely coachable and takes to coaching and has picked up on so many things really quickly and the game comes easy to him he's able to get to spots you know pretty easily. Um, He's able to get his shot, which is, you know, an incredible talent at his age, and he plays with great pace. And, um, you know, so he's a, a young freshman that we're really excited about, and he'll have a chance to play early in his career.
1: Fantastic. We're looking forward to it.